Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. And I'm Rocky Comic Boom. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in the middle of a drink. <laughs> All good. Uh, and this is another Bad Idea Takeover Sunday. Uh, apologies for it being a little late. Uh, happy Mother's Day, everybody. So uh, Rocky yeah. and I both had things going on, but we, we are here. We are going to talk about ENIAC number three. We're going to talk a little Tankers number one because Rocky hasn't had a chance to give us his thoughts on it yet. And uh, I know I had mentioned earlier in the week on a couple different podcasts that we're hoping to have Matt Kent on for this uh, Bad Idea Takeover for this Sunday to talk about ENIAC and Walesville which also came out this last Wednesday. Uh, but Matt's schedule did not allow that, but he will be on next week. So uh, next Sunday, uh, Matt Kent will be on. We'll talk to him about ENIAC. We'll talk to him about Walesville. Maybe some even a little chatter about some non-bad uh, idea books, mind management, Department H, whatnot. So uh, look forward to that, everybody. If you're tuning in this week, hoping to hear Matt again, apologies. Uh, he just did not have time. Uh, so next week for sure. Uh, anyway, uh, Rocky and I, before we jumped on here to start talking about these books specifically, we were just kind of revisiting the whole idea of what Bad Idea does and kind of their scarcity and, uh, you know, the, the rules and whatnot. And I highly encourage anybody who thinks that what they're doing is truly a bad idea or that they're somehow abusing retailers or uh, they're trying to somehow manipulate the market or do damage to the industry, please, please, please go listen to the uh, chat that I had with Warren Simons and Dinesh Shamdasani, where we talked about all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's simply not the case. Uh, I think the disconnect happens because people look at Bad Idea, they're a comic book publisher, and everybody expects them to behave like a comic book publisher. Dinesh himself said it when we had him on about how the goal of most comic publishers is to sell as many books as possible and make as much money as possible. That's not what Bad Idea is about. They're in it for the joy of making the books. They have fun as creators and as kind of editorial staff putting these books out into the world and just having fun making comics with their friends. That's why they do it. As long as the books break even, they're fine, right? So that's why people don't understand, well, why are you not in every shop? Why is it so hard to get, get the books? And I made the analogy earlier to Rocky, you know, there's this um, kind of sense of entitlement because every other comic publisher does try to make as much money. So they want their books out in as many shops as possible. They want them as accessible as possible, digital trade, whatnot. No, bad idea. The, the rules are to try to drive traffic into comic shops and make sure the stories and, and books get in the hands of as many people as possible. Is it a perfect system? No, but they do the best they can. Um, but here's the thing. Yes, you have to put out a little bit more effort, but because every other comic publisher tries to be everywhere, there's this sense of entitlement that it seems people have. Even, even other comic creators, as well as comic fans, they're like, well, if somebody produces a book, I sh it should be accessible to me. I should be able to go and get it. Well, you know what? The books are accessible. You can go on eBay right now and you can buy every single one from Hero Trade on down of all the bad idea books. It's just going to cost you a little bit of money. It's no different than a Rolls Royce or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or whatever, right? That's the analogy I made. If you want one of those, they're available. They're not available to everybody. They're not ubiquitous. They're not all over the place. A lot of the supercars have limited runs. There's a set amount. You may have to wait to get it. You got to be able to afford it. But there's not this sense. Nobody's going after Rolls Royce saying, why, are, why can't I have get this? Well, you can. You just have to spend the money. Just like if you want bad idea books, and you don't have a local retailer, you're not willing to mail order, you're not willing to do what you need to do, go on eBay. 
they're there right now and you can get them. So this yeah. whole idea of them being abusive and forcing retailers to jump through hoops, nobody's forcing anybody. If you as a retailer don't want to carry the books, don't carry the books. If you as a fan don't want to read the books, then don't read the book. You don't, want, you don't like what Bad Idea does, and I don't agree with every decision they make. But if you don't agree with what they do, then don't buy the books. Don't support them. It's that simple. But this idea that they're abusing people or ruining the comic industry, it's just asinine. makes no sense. So please go listen to that show. Listen to what Warren and Dinesh have to say. This is about friends who work together at Valiant that had tons of fun creating books with creators that they uh, hired to create the books that then became friends. It's one big family. They wanted to recapture that feeling. They're making books. They wanted to do something different. It's a small shop, you know, in terms of there's only a few people that work at Bad, Bad Idea. They don't have the bandwidth to be in every single store. They don't want to be in every single store. They're not in it to make money. And that's where this misunderstanding, I think, happens. So, yeah, uh, well, I, I would I would just yeah, add, add to your comments. I would I would add to your comments and say it's about personal accountability. Whether you like it or not, if your retailer is not selling it, your retailer is not selling it. So, you know. Uh, go and order it yourself. There's lots of retailers that are that you can order it from. There's no excuse for it. Guess what? I mean, there's uh, the vast majority of mistakes I make as a, as a reader is that is when I, I usually it's my fault. I forget to put something on my pull list or I forget to do this or if I don't look at previews uh, as readers, whether we like it or not, we live in a comic book in a comic book world now where we can't rely on retailers to know about every comic book that's coming out. I know more about what's coming out three months from now than my retailer does. That's just the reality because I have the previews. I have access. My retailer is busy running his shop, running his business. I can't, I can't rely upon him to order enough shelf copies of everything under the sun. Uh, as comic book readers, it's on us. We have a responsibility to know what we want and to do our own homework in advance. That's just the way it is. And we can't blame retailers for that because they have to make a, a judgment call. And, you know, we can, you know, we, we can agree to disagree in terms of what retailers might choose to sell and the efforts they might make. But at the end of the day, you know, get out there. If you like bad idea, well, if you like bad idea, it's a good idea to, to order it yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, very well said. I mean, we always promote pre-ordering on this show. It's the best thing you can do to help your retailer. Rocky's right. Even if there's not one in your area, there's plenty of shops out there that do mail order for bad idea. You know, you can say, hey, pull the books for me and ship them to me once a month, once every three months when the series is completed, whatever you want to do. So, yeah, there's there's not really uh, much excuse. But uh, anyway, we'll get off our soapboxes here and we'll, we'll actually talk a little uh, about the books. We're going to start with Tankers, number one. Uh, as I said, uh, Rocky didn't get a chance to give us his thoughts on this issue. Obviously, we had Rudra Venditti on uh, a few weeks ago to talk, and uh, he, he talked about just how crazy and insane this idea is and how uh, it's so different than anything that he's ever done before. And I, I really have to agree it's completely over the top and, and it's one heck of a wild ride, but more than anything, it's just a lot of fun. And the Juan Jose reap art is, is fantastic. Um, I, I really enjoyed it uh, much like Rob himself. The one thing that I, I don't like about it is the fact that it is bi-monthly. It is a 40 page book. Uh, so you get a big chunk of story, but I mean, it's so good. Of course, why wouldn't I want it? you know, all the story as soon as, you know, as soon as possible. But uh, anyway, as I mentioned, written by Robert Benditti, art by Juan Jose Reap, colors by Andrew Dollhouse, letters by Dave Sharp. Uh, and then there's a backup feature called Wyoming. It's also written by Robert Benditti. Jorge Monlongo does the art and letters on that. 
And uh, again, Robert Venditti talked about uh, that Abraham Lincoln backup as well. Had a lot of fun doing that. But uh, but let's talk about the main story first, Rocky. What were your uh, first impressions when you read it? Uh, my first impression is that it's it is a very very simplistic storyline, uh, and it's 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 so simplistic, but it's so fun. I mean, I mean, the whole idea of you know we don't have enough oil. Oil comes from coal. Coal comes from uh, long dead dinosaurs. If only the dinosaurs lasted that much longer on Earth, how do we do that? Go back in time and knock the comet that that just, that killed all that landed on Earth, killed all the dinosaurs. Delay the comet's impact with a particle beam by about fifty million years, and have fifty million more years of dinosaurs on Earth before, and then the comet hits, and so you're going to have that much more coal. So if you're worried about not running out of coal, no problem. Just extend the, the life of the dinosaurs by 50 million years. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> right. I mean, it's so funny when I read this comic and there's a, there's a, there's a boardroom scene where this scientist is talking to a bunch of people and he's got this theory and he's got a chart and it's so unsophisticated. It just, it's a chart. It's a, it's a computer screen that just shows dinosaurs on it. And he's, that's basically his plan. And, you know, I mean, no one thought about evolution. No one thought about, you know, I mean, they just thought, well, well, you know, look at, you know, let's only look at one branch of science, you know, like extending the dinosaurs and they're going to die and create and then become fossils and create more coal. But, you know, the impact of evolution, the impact on the earth of another 50 million years of dinosaurs. I mean, what a simplistic scientific analysis of, of a monument. I mean, you talk about a butterfly effect, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's one, you know, that old story, if you, if you go back, a hundred million years and kill one butterfly, you know, that, that, that famous story, you kill one butterfly and it just, it, it leads to a, a horrific dystopian future. And here they go back and they literally, <laughs> they literally extend the life of di- dinosaurs by 50 million years. Good God. I, I loved it. The action, blood, gore, guts. You mentioned the artist, uh, John Jose uh, Rip. Uh, is it Ripe? Rip? Uh, I think it's Rip. Juan Jose Rip. That's how it was. Rip? Yeah. Okay. But just fantastic art. I mean, this is a lot of fun. I would love, this would be, I would love to see just a, an, an hour and a half uh, a, a adult cartoon of this on, on Netflix or Amazon prime or something. This is just a lot of fun. And of course, well, naturally something goes wrong. They, they end up, you know, they, they end up coming back in their time, hoping that they'll come back to a perfect future where there's lots of oil. And of course uh, they come back and there's a, appears to be a future of <laughs> no oil, but a lot of dinosaurs. So something went wrong. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun and getting there is fun. You get to know that you get to know the soldiers and you get to know the, the military men involved. And uh, again, there is character work here, but I was I was just more what I remember really more and because I just read it so I remember most everything but uh, it, it's really more of the it's it's just the craziness of the plot this is just this is just a good fun comic it was straight up fun yeah <laughs> and that's basically what Rob said it's that's why it is so different than anything he's ever done he's usually a guy who who plans things out way in advance and things make sense and he's thought about it from this angle and that angle no here he's just having fun. Um, and it's clear that he didn't think about it from every angle because, yeah, time travel, it doesn't really work. Uh, these scientists and these oil executives, they clearly didn't think about it from every angle. Like I, I was telling my wife about the concept. I'm like, this is a really cool concept. And so, yeah, they're going to use a beam and they're going to deflect the comet and it's going to go around one more orbit and then hit. 
And she just looked at me like, what? That's the dumbest idea I've ever like. <laughs> How many different variables and like what makes you think that would possibly work, right? So many things could go wrong. Like you hit it with the particle beam, the comet explodes, or it, it goes off course and never hits the earth at all, which is apparently is what happens here. Or to, to your point, Rocky, about the butterfly effect, these tankers and the, the so the name tankers to go off on a tangent real quick, the, the name tankers comes, that's the name of this paramilitary group that goes uh, that travels back in time with the scientists to set up the particle beam. And they, they have these mechanized like war suits that are called tankers. They're basically mobile tanks. Um, so think of them as like uh, the giant mechs from like Pacific Rim or something like that, but on a, a little bit on a smaller scale and they have grenades and missiles and guns and whatnot. So that's where the name tankers comes from. Um, but they're, they are there to protect the scientists while the scientists set up this particle beam to deflect the comet and then also to set up the time machine so they can get back to uh, present time. So they are there and they are mowing down dinosaurs. Let, you want to talk about kill a butterfly, but they're, they're killing dinosaurs by <laughs> the tens, if not the hundreds, right? No. So, <laughs> you know, think about all that, not to mention all the other changes that may come around from the dinosaurs living another 50, even if it worked, even if it worked, and the dinosaurs lived another 50 million years uh, and the comet came back around and then impacted Earth and extinction event. There's still no reason to think the world would have evolved in the same, in the same way that it exactly. did. There could be no human like we don't even know that yet. That's exactly so, it. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I mean, very, very one dimensional in its uh, like the characters in, in their thinking. And uh, like I said, well. This is this is only a three issue series, right? Yeah, it's three issues. Three issues. Yeah. So I, I don't imagine that it's um, necessarily going to be. Um, well, actually, I have, I have no idea how this is going to end. Maybe do they have to go back in time and prevent themselves, or maybe yeah. fight themselves to prevent them from doing what they're going to do? I, I I don't know, but it's uh, it. <laughs> yeah, it could really go anywhere from here. But here's here's the other part of it, right? As dumb as an idea as this is, if there's anything the last four to five years have taught me about a certain uh, segment of, of people who live in their own kind of alternate reality. Mm -hmm. They would totally do that. They would, I, I could totally see somebody actually doing this. Yeah. <laughs> my, my faith in the intelligence of humankind has diminished greatly over the past five years. So I could totally see somebody go, Oh yeah, this would be a great idea. We don't need to worry about green energy. We'll just uh, have more dinosaurs. So yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh, the the art is spectacular. The color work is great, and yeah, I have absolutely no idea where it could, it it could end up. That over the next couple of issues, the rest of these tankers and scientists that have returned home get all wiped out, and we just end up with a world just populated by dinosaurs. Or yeah, we could have some sort of time travel where they go back and try to prevent themselves from from going back. Uh, yeah, I've, I've absolutely no idea where it's going to go, but I'm definitely along for the ride. It, it, I got it. There's a one scene where the general is talking to the tanker crew and he's he's going to give them a bonus, whatever they want. And the one guy says, uh, he says, what do you want? He goes, I want to 
take back Cuba from the commies and make her the 51st state. And he says, you'll have to wait for the next election cycle, but it's doable. And then, of course, one guy wants wants to he wants to earn a spot in the toughest squad in the world, be a true tanker. And, and he says, after one mission, no one will doubt you. And anyways, I'm reading all this and, and it, it reminded me of, of Armageddon. You know, uh, you know, they're sending the astronauts <laughs> yeah. off into space. And the one thing he wanted and, and the one guy said, what do you want? He goes, I don't want to pay taxes ever. <laughs> It's like, yeah, but nobody said that here. But I was just remind this. This reminded me of even a simplistic form of like the Armageddon movie, where it's just it was an adrenaline rush. It's a popcorn movie. This is like a popcorn comic, man. Just like I can't I can't wait, you know, but I just hope that unlike Armageddon, if they have to leave anybody behind in the past, I hope it's the Russian. <laughs> but there's no Russian on, in this comic. But no. anyways, that, that's an Armageddon reference. I In Armageddon, I always say they should have left the Russian behind and Bruce Willis should have came back. Should have came but... back, yeah. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched Armageddon in years. Uh, such a great uh, popcorn flick, yeah, like you said. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, what, about the, what about the backup story? So, uh, you know, again, go listen to that interview with Rob. He kind of explains it. But uh, just real quick, uh, basically, these aliens have come to Earth. They're going to use – Earth is kind of a backwater planet. They're going to create uh, an underground prison for the worst of the galaxy's uh, criminals. And Abraham Lincoln agrees to it basically because it doesn't matter if he agrees to it or not, they're going to do it anyway. So uh, he agrees to it. And this is on the eve of his assassination. So the implication is sort of that nobody else is going to know about this um, because he, you know, he didn't get a chance to tell anybody. And the reason the story is called Wyoming is because this prison is underground in uh, Wyoming. So it's a lot of fun and it's clearly, it clearly could be so much more than just this eight, eight page story that we got, but it's, it's, it's pretty interesting seeing Abraham Lincoln uh, make a deal with these aliens. Well, is this, is this like a part one? There must, there must be more to this. Is that, or is that, uh, well, it seems so, so out of place. Like, is this related to the tanker storyline or is this? No, completely no, different? not like at all. It, not, none of the B side or the backup stories are, are necessarily related to anything. The way Rob explained it is they all got together and they love, you know, making these stories and coming up with these crazy ideas. And because they are only releasing two books a month, how can they get these other ideas out there? Even, you know, cause a lot of the ideas aren't necessarily fleshed out or they're not, they don't, wouldn't really sustain a, you know, even a three or four issue limited series. So they decided, Hey, we're just going to make these eight page stories. It's a chance to work with some other creators that they haven't worked with before, uh, both in terms of, you know, the, the writers pairing up with artists or artists pairing up with writers they haven't worked with, but also people that haven't worked with the, the editorial staff, you know, with the right. nation war and, and all that. So kind of a way to just, you know, see what they have to offer, um, I just have fun doing these eight page stories. I imagine if, if some of them really hit, uh, they could lead to, to, you know, more stories down the line. Rob said that, yeah, he, he could continue this story if there was a demand for it, but it stands on its own. If, well, if not, it's what's it, what I find interesting about it was uh, like, I wasn't, I wasn't entirely clear until the end that they were talking about, you know, the aliens wanting to create a prison there, but a guy just, I'm assuming I know Lincoln is known for creating the first national park and it was in a Yosemite national, isn't it the Yosemite Valley that he declared a national park? Like I think that, but that was in, I'm pretty sure that was before 1865, but I think he was, he's, he was known as he was the first president to create an, a public land. So in this place, 
the implication he creates, he declares a permanent public land in the West. So obviously now this, 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 the explanation in the story is that he's doing that because he needs to free up that land, yeah. which was the red spot on the map that the alien showed him. So this, the Nat, the national park system in the United States is actually on the, on the surface. It's, it's for the public, but underground, it's obviously a prison. That's the implication, I guess. Yeah. And of course, nobody knows that because uh, April 13th, which was the first date, I think it was like two weeks later at the end of April, I think a week, you know, he gets, he gets assassinated. So, I mean, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's 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 just like the the backup story on uh, in ENIAC that that we've been getting there. It's like it's a little bit uh, uh, like interesting stories, just but very uh, j- many times jarringly different than the main. Like this, <laughs> you know, reading going into this story from tankers going from dinosaurs to Abraham Lincoln was a little bit jarring, but <laughs> but it was you know it was it was okay. But I did have to sort of like mentally adjust i had to read it a couple times because i it would seem a little bit out of whack but it was uh i'm a history guy so i i liked it i i you know i don't know where it would go after this it would it would it because we know abraham lincoln's going to be assassinated so where's the story go after this you know do they come back 200 years later or 100 years later because the the alien said it they're low on the budget they might not ever come back but if they do, I mean, I mean, they could go back 100 years from now, 200, you know, with space travel and everything. So, you know, they so it's an interesting little short story that that doesn't need to have a sequel, but it, it could probably have one. Yeah, I mean, I you could know. do a prison break where some <laughs> yeah. of them, some of them get out or. Yeah. And it's, you could have people stumble across, you know, the spelunking yeah. or whatnot. So, yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of places it could go, but uh, it could also just, you know, remain a, a, a one shot you know, a one and done and, uh, and it's there and it's fun. And it's a, it's an interesting idea. So, yeah. uh, all right, well, let's, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about ENIAC number three. Um, yeah, the God, this book is so good. Um, it's interesting that you can kind of understand why the, the powers that be over at bad idea chose this as their kind of their flagship title, their first release. And it, it did generate a lot of buzz uh, because of the you know reasons we were talking about with the scarcity and them having to allocate things and whatnot, and you know there was an article uh, on the Comics Beat uh, website earlier this week that, that talked about comparing it to Berserker, where they they were they didn't have enough copies of Berserker and they chose to delay it uh, and go back to print, and they were kind of articles kind of insinuating that Bad Idea could have done that. Um, you know they're, they're a lot smaller. Uh, then, then Boom Studios is what I'll say to that, um, and they already delayed a full year because of the pandemic. I think they wanted to get, they wanted to get some revenue. I know, like I said, they're not in it to you know make as much money as they can, but they do have to pay their bills. Um, I think they're just looking to kind of break even, um, but they had just been putting money out and nothing was coming in. So I don't blame them for you know not wanting to go back to print on this and and not delay again um so yeah uh the the story is so fascinating the characterization it's so tightly plotted uh we're getting big chunks of story and it's moving along at a very brisk pace so that it can be all told in in four issues um it it, and it's so interesting what uh, writer matt kent is doing here because as i said it is a very brisk pace there's so much that happens kind of behind the scenes so much of 
what was set up perfectly in that first issue that gives us an understanding of the kind of what the urgency is for our, our characters to try to kill ENIAC and and how they're kind of running up against these obstacles at every turn where everything is not laid. This is one of those comics where everything is laid out with a bunch of exposition, a bunch of um, dialogue boxes explaining, well, then this happened and that happened and whatnot. Um, no, it's it, the Matt Kent lets the art by Doug Braithwaite tell the story. And as long as you read that first issue, you're and you're paying attention and you're along for this ride, there's not really time to stop and, and have things explained. Um, but it, that's not n necessary unless, you know, you missed out on that first issue and you're, you could, I could see where somebody would be kind of lost in that, in that instance. Um, mm -hmm. But it, I just go back to how tightly plotted and paced it is. And I can't wait to talk to Matt about his decisions on, on what he's done here. Uh, when you, when you talk about Matt Kent books, so many of them, they, they have a lot of subtext they have a lot of mystery and Easter eggs that are, you know, laid out early on that then pay off much, much later. And think about mind management or department H that's very much the case. That's more long form storytelling. This is four issues. And so it's gotta be packed tightly with story. But when you're talking about Doug Braithwaite art, you want that art to, you want the panels to be somewhat larger. You want to be able to see the detail that he puts in the art. Um, and the colors by Diego Rodriguez also really help that art shine. Um, Dave Sharp does a great job with the letters in terms of keeping that pacing going and, and, you know, drawing your eye around the page in a, in a, uh, in a, such a way that the story doesn't go too fast, even though the narrative is moving pretty quickly. But uh, I mean, if you just go back and look at, okay, in the first issue, you know, these two, former special forces soldiers get recruited and they learn what ENIAC is. And then in the second issue, they go to, you know, where they think they can get information on, on uh, destroying ENIAC and they try to rescue the guy and then he gets killed. And then in this one, they go to uh, get information from one of the soldiers mothers and they think they know where ENIAC is and they head there to, to destroy him. Like that's basically all that's happened in this story so far, like in a nutshell, but that's a lot. Like when you think about it, they've gone already in, in three issues from not even knowing ENIAC existed to learning about it, recruiting what they need, what they think they'll, uh, what may be able to destroy ENIAC, this computer virus to actually yeah. being where ENIAC supposedly is. Um, so it's, again, it's moved at a very, very brisk pace. And within all this, We've gotten a little bit of characterization, a few character moments here or there that's brought depth to the story, but mostly what you get is this sense of tension and this sense of impending doom and this sense that no matter what they do, ENIAC is always three steps, no matter what they do, just when they think they got one up on them, they got some analog decision where there's some code that we talked about uh, when we talked about issue two. There's this code that this guy created by tying knots in string and ENIAC, ENIAC apparently even knows about that. So it doesn't matter what they do. Um, and that kind of goes into how this issue ends where they're faced with a decision. Well, should we do what we came here to do and hope to destroy ENIAC 
Or is that really what ENIAC once wanted us to do all along? Has ENIAC been pulling our strings the whole time? Like it's a fascinating thing to think about. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, and just to build on what you're saying, I mean, ENIAC has been one step ahead of them from the beginning. And it's uh, as the one soldier indicated when they were sort of, they were at the end there when they're in the bunker trying to locate or whether they know ENIAC is there, but ENIAC basically has a PSYOP campaign against them where he, he knows everything about all the soldiers and he's using that against them psychologically. And the, there's the, there's that rope system, the analog rope system that the uh, Fletcher's mother who was a former worker at Nassau, who was there during the Challenger disaster, which was really a vain. The Challenger disaster, of course, was linked to actually ENIAC caused the Challenger disaster because the Challenger was actually some plot to by the governments to try to create a an ENIAC free satellite in space uh, through the Challenger program, which ENIAC uh, found a way to sabotage and destroy, resulting in the firing from NASA of Fletcher's mother. And that that had a psychological impact on Fletcher's mother that she never really recovered from. And and Fletcher herself uh, has been impacted by that. And, you know, it's the you mentioned the character work here. It's just fantastic in this issue. There is a two page spread in this issue where it's two pages and there's uh, it's broken into, I believe, you know, six panels per page where each panel is a snapshot of one moment of Fletcher's life from when she was a young child growing up through her met through her struggles and even her occasional uh, attempted, you know, contemplations of suicide and her friendship with uh, Falk who had uh, she used to who Falk is not only her her good friend and of course a fellow soldier but they were uh, former uh, romantic partners as well and all that in a span of two pages you get to know Fletcher so well very well handled very well laid out uh, by Matt Kent very very well scripted and then at the end here you have to think ENIAC, ENIAC appears to have cont- uh, anticipated everything about inserting the cord rope and, and all these, all, all they've, ENIAC's anticipated, you th- I think ENIAC's anticipated it, it looks like it, but then I'm thinking to myself, ENIAC is pretty smart. ENIAC probably knows that the only way, ENIAC probably knows how it can be defeated. ENIAC knows how he can be defeated. And he probably knows the only way to def- how to defeat him involves probably a cord rope system of some kind, an analog system of some kind. And so he's trying to, I think, you know, trying to get them to play their hand ahead of time. So this is clearly a trap They're there. And I think they're, you know, he's taunting them. And so they're right to question, is this, is this, you know, is this a trap or isn't it? And how, I'm really curious to see how this ends. It reminds me a little of that. We, we reviewed that Batman riddle uh, thing that uh, there was a Batman riddle story that we read where we had to figure out the riddle. And in this one, I'm really curious how, how are Fletcher and Falk going to defeat ENIAC? Because, you know, clearly there's a, there's a game here of a psychological game and ENIAC is very good at psyops, but he's, he, it's still just a computer. It's still just a computer and it has to have a weakness. And uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out in the, in the, there's only one issue left, right? Yeah. There's just, yeah, this is the next to last. It's only four issues long. Um, yeah. Very well done. But yeah, I agree with just about everything you said, uh, except I will disagree with you on one point, Rocky. I don't think any 
one step ahead. I think he's he's multiple multiple steps ahead. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. I mean, you just you look at that last page where they get there, and yeah, there is that cord rope memory. It says insert uh, code uh, insert cord rope memory here, and it has a little box with the holes. But next to that, welcome Falk and Fletcher. Like any act already know and, and it's this is not like it's a it doesn't appear to be like a computer screen where you can just put any letters on there that you want it it looks like you know it's just these these specific names and who knows how long ago this was built right like yeah. it, it doesn't seem like it's brand new so it, it certainly seems like ENIAC has known that it was going to be Falcon Fletcher all along that we're going to attempt to, uh, to take him down. Um, he could have been, been manipulating things from way back when with, with Fletcher's mother, it certainly seemed that way. Um, got her fired from the, the challenger or from NASA after the challenger disaster and, and, you know, to uh, use her own words, um, her career was over and her life was ruined, uh, or destroyed, I guess is the word that she used. So, um, it's it's clear it's clear that it, it has affected her her whole life and in turn affected Olivia Fletcher, her daughter, who's the the special ops soldier who, uh, along with Falk, is attempting to uh, to kill her. But the other thing that I'm I'm wondering is what if anything did Fletcher's mother do to her? Could that be the the wild card that we're that you're, you're kind of referring to about you know it, it is yeah. still a machine. Um, so can it, you know, how well can it predict the unpredictability of human behavior, impulsiveness or whatnot? Because when they do arrive at uh, the final place of ENIAC, there is a scene where Fletcher's kind of overcome. And when uh, Falk goes over there and looks at her, her eyes have, uh, they're, they're all black. Like she has no pupil, no iris, anything. Her eyes are just all black. Like there's something going on. Could, could she herself have a, a virus, some sort of computer um, biomechanical or bioelectrical virus, um, biological virus in her that can affect ENIAC that her mother created. Um, maybe that's why her mother is the way that she is, um, she, where she seems like she's out of it. She's, she's kind of lost her mind um, because if she, like maybe she did it purposely, I guess is what I'm getting at. Like her mother knew, okay, well, the only way to prevent ENIAC from predicting what my behavior will be is to literally drive myself insane so that not even I will remember what it was that I did or, or, you know, something along those lines. So did something to, to Olivia Fletcher that would cause any X downfall and then damage her own mind or psyche or memory or some, you know, something so that any wouldn't be able to, to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I have no idea. There's one issue left and I still am not sure what, you know, where we're going, but man, is this just one heck of a book? Um, one thing struck me too, I, I will say, uh, and, and I don't think we've ever uh, addressed this, but it's definitely a, a book for mature readers. It's not, uh, it's got foul language in it and there's a lot of violence and blood and whatnot. Uh, and, and in this particular issue, there's even some nudity because when, uh, Fletcher and Falk are about to go on their kind of final, okay, we've got the cord memory. We have what we need to defeat ENIAC. Now we, we, we have to get the oldest plane we can find to remove all the electronics. 
Um, <laughs> but we need some help. We're going to need some help. And so they, they recruit some other special ops soldiers and these guys show up and they tell them literally strip down to your, you know, butt ass naked and get rid of all your, your stuff. Um, and we'll give you, you know, basically analog uh, supplies and clothes or whatnot. Um, and, and whatever it's, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's not gratuitous or, or, you know, it makes sense for the story. Um, the only thing that I, I could think of though, when I saw this was, you know, I didn't hear anything about this when the book came out. I didn't hear about it before. I didn't hear about it after. I think still nobody's talked about it, but yet Lee Bermejo shows Batman's penis in a covered in 99% shadow and the sky falls in. And it yeah. just goes to show how stupid that whole thing was. Cause here we are and nobody's talking about, you know, there's, yeah, there's three, three. There, there's, there's three, three of them. <laughs> yeah. And you used to, you can see them clear as day. They're out in the middle, you know, not a stitch of clothing on yeah, and different sizes too. There yeah, was big, middle yeah, and exactly. there was big, middle and large. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's so dumb. That whole thing with Bermejo was so dumb. Uh, that's what's like. I did think of that when I, I mean, yeah, I couldn't help but think of it. Like, like, why, why is, why was that a thing? And this is not so, so dumb. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, this is, this is fantastic. Uh, I, I do have a feeling the, the one I, I'm going to like the ending because Matt Kent is just killing it on this title, but I do have a feeling that when it ends, I'm, I'm going to feel like I want more stories in this world. I want more, stories of ENIAC and I mean, the, the brilliance of what Matt Kinn has done here, like linking the challenger does that the challenge ENIAC caused a challenger disaster. Like you, you could go back and link him to all kinds of, you know, nine 11 Oklahoma city bombing, uh, you know, uh, the London uh, subway bombing, like all, all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah. it, it's just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating what he's done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And just uh, to build on your previous point uh, with, with Fletcher, with her eyes becoming all black with no no pupils, her mother did say when she talked to her mother, when she when Fletcher said to her mother, I'm worried about you that I have the same illness that you have. Her mother said, it's not an illness. It's and then she was cut off. Uh, so if it's not an illness, what is it? Is it a virus? What's in their head? So whatever it is, it might be the key to defeating ENIAC. Yeah, that that's kind of what we're led to believe. But who knows? Matt Kent may pull the rug out from under us. And one thing that we haven't thought about or considered, um, because originally ENIAC was created to be a tool, right? Uh, to end the war, to save human life. Uh, could there be a part of ENIAC that realizes that it's gone off the rails, that it's gone too far, it's done things that it, in the interest of, you know, preserving humankind, it, it's, so could it, in its own way, be trying to manipulate and bring about its own destruction. Because could be. that, yeah, because that would actually be the best thing that it could it could do to prevent. I mean, we talked about it when, um, when we uh, I think it was last issue when we talked about the when NEX sent the the nuclear bombs to all the capitals of the world and and had them you know, counting down and they couldn't stop it. And then ENIAC itself stopped it at the last moment. Um, and if ENIAC was really like Skynet to borrow a, you know, uh, an idea from Terminator and really wanted the destruction of humans, that whole idea that the only way to protect humans from themselves is actually to eliminate all the humans. <laughs> like you want to yeah. not have war. 
well, you got to yeah. kill all the humans. Um, and NEX like n didn't actually take that final step the way Skynet or so many other um, science fiction stories have done. So it's uh, it's something interesting to think about. Well, yeah, it is because it, when you think about it, if, if a human being can be suicidal, why can't a computer be suicidal? Why can't a why can't a sophisticated computer program? If a human being can have multiple personalities and have a mental illness, why can't a computer program? Why can't a sophisticated computer program? If a computer program can contemplate a hundred trillion different calculations a second, then can't it also arguably be? insane in its own thoughts and also contemplate its own demise. And if your program is, as you say, to how do you initial programming was to save humanity, it could maybe determine that it, it, it is that it is humanity's greatest threat. And maybe it, it is utilizing the Fletcher family to, to destroy itself. That might be an ending. Yeah. Yeah. It's good theory. Or, or maybe ENIAC watched Zack Snyder's, Justice League cut and said, you know what? I'm done, man. I don't want to exist in this world anymore. Look what these humans have done. There's no saving them, no matter how many steps ahead I am. A four-hour Justice League cut with half of it in slow motion, I'm done. Kill me now. 100%. So. Oh, oh, I mean, I, I, who knows? It's not bad. If you want to get really meta. Slow motion. <laughs> you want to get really meta. That's funny. Uh, that could be it. So, uh, there is a backup in this one as well, uh, and they're fine. They finally reprinted the hero trade. So that that was uh, for those not familiar. It's it's the most expensive, uh, one of the most expensive modern comics, um, and it was purposely made to look like it. You know, was just this independent thing that was sent out to all the bad idea stores. My my store threw it away because they get so much of this kind of stuff. Um, and didn't realize it was anything, didn't realize it was by Dave Lapham and, uh, and Matt Kent. Um, but it was so limited and people didn't know what they had. Uh, now it goes for over a thousand dollars online when they do sell. Um, but they did finally reprint it. And, uh, and it's an interesting story. And basically the, the hero trade, the trade of it is the sky has somehow managed to, uh, to capture this hero who, is sort of the, that world Superman. He's got invulnerability, super speed, heightened sen senses, and he's got his body in the trunk of his car, and he's going around to different criminal elements and whatnot, and he's he's basically selling parts of him. Like somebody wants to buy his leg, somebody else wants to buy some of his blood, somebody else bought an arm, um, and so yeah, he's driving around with this body of this Captain Fabulous guy in his car, and he's selling off the the parts of it and uh at the end we find out that he may not be as dead as he uh has had first appeared but doesn't seem to bother this guy he's just going to continue to go around and sell off the body parts so it's pretty it's pretty gruesome and uh it's been hinted at by bad idea that this whole hero trade and some of the other stories that we've had in the b-sides are are sort of all tied in together so it's a fascinating story to look at um and i i do kind of like the indie feel of it 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 very much has a, a kind of an 80s black and white indie comic feel instead of because the concept is is good enough that they could have given it the full 
you know, ENIAC treatment, let's say, you know, and let, <laughs> Matt can't yeah. work with, even if it's David Lapham or whoever, but, you know, flesh it out with really good art and, you know, beautiful colors and whatnot. And it could be its own thing, but they want to do something different with it. They want to make it look a little more underground. And I think it kind of suits this idea of this seedy underbelly um, and underworld where you're trading. I mean, it's such a, when you think about it, it is a very kind of black market thing, you know, selling off body parts of superpowered beings, their blood, their, their literal arms and legs. I mean, yeah. Ugh. So, uh, but, it, but it's interesting. And, and people that were curious about it, oh, I haven't got a chance to read the hero trade and certainly can't afford it. I mean, I, I'm disappointed. I don't have one. I, I asked my retailer as soon as I found out about it. Uh, and they told me they had thrown it away. They were disappointed as well, but you know, and some people don't like, again, that bad idea did that, send it without saying what it was, but Hey, you know, it's, it was a fun thing. It got people talking and it's, the, it's like the one bad idea thing that I don't have. Um, and I'm, but I'm okay with that. You know, I'm not going to spend a thousand. Could I, could I spend a thousand dollars? Do I have a thousand dollars to spend on it? Yeah. But do I feel it's worth it? No, that's just my own personal choice. You know, I'm not railing against anybody and, and, you know, banging down Dinesh's door and saying, how dare you? Um, but I, I did enjoy the story. I certainly don't think it's worth a thousand dollars, but, but it is, yeah, but it is a cool story. What what were your thoughts, Rocky? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I honestly, I, I don't, uh, this is, this is such a crazy, this is just a dumb story. Like I, I don't even like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to sound very articulate when I say this. I just, the whole thing just. I don't understand. I don't understand the speculation on this. I, I think I don't think it's drawn well. I don't think the story's all that good. I think it looks ridiculous. I would. I would. It's no. Who on earth would pay a thousand dollars for this? It looks. Right. It looks. I think it looks ridiculous. This is ex, it, now. You know. God bless the speculator. I'm a speculator myself. I, I. I get it. But I, for the life of me, I. I would, if I had a thousand dollars to throw away, I wouldn't throw it at this. This is a, I mean, I, got, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, I don't even see the, like, is there even like, I don't even see the point of this. Like I say, it's the, it's just, just kind of sick. He's got his, he's, I mean, I guess it's funny. I guess he's got it. He, he's, he's basically got Superman in the trunk of his car yeah. or, and he's, he's chopping up his legs with, and, and selling them to like a bunch of goons throughout the city. And then at the end, this, this Superman wakes up and please, why are you doing this? And that's how it ends. It's depressing. It's like, I honestly, I don't, I don't see the point. I don't, I don't, but. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I don't get it. But on the one hand, you know, God, you know, what's to get, you know, this is just plain to me. This is like, uh, if this was in an anthology of like, I would expect to see this in like a mad magazine or something, or like yeah. an anthology of just crazy twilight zone, like stories that don't have to go anywhere that are just meant to sort of entertain. But I mean, just it's black and white. It's just, it's unsophisticated. And then, I mean, I can see why, why retailers threw this in the garbage because, you know, I'm, I'm sure some of them use it as toilet paper too. I mean, uh, I, like, you know, again, not that it's bad, but it's, it's, it, it, this would never get anybody's attention. And now suddenly it is, I don't get it. You know, this is one of those things where I'm just shaking my head. I, I don't get the appeal of this. I, I just don't, I, I I'm sorry. I, I, I guess maybe it will. Uh, I don't think I'll ever get it. I just, it's, it's baffling to me. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, the interest comes in, I think the idea has merit. And I like the idea that um, a lot of the other B-side stories may tie into this. And it's, it's a whole kind of seriously they're gonna tie they're gonna tie into this story some some of them so you remember the one with the the guy that was the waiter that stole the briefcase yeah that may tie in to this story oh really Uh, yeah the 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 pizza detective book that's coming out okay but the guy with the briefcase there was somebody in the briefcase wasn't there like uh we don't know we don't know who was it was kind of pulled a pulp fiction thing we don't know what was (laughs) in the briefcase but the yeah the some of the speculation is that what was in the briefcase may have been, could have been hair from Captain Fabulous, could have been some of his blood, you know? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, okay. I, all right. Yeah. Well, you know, fair enough. I just, I, I, and then, I okay. Yeah. And then the, the other one with the woman who <laughs> had kept that she was a secret, uh, that she was a superhero secret from her family may have been on huh. the same super team of Cap- Captain Fabulous. So again, there, there may be, people are trying to draw, um, draw connections and there might not be, there might be, I I don't know, but that's the part that I find fascinating as far as the actual quality of the book. Yeah. I mean, you're right. The art is purposely done to look amateurish. It's not um, again, it's got that eighties underground comic feel and, and yeah, I it's, it's purely scarcity. So, you know, this is where the people spending this ridiculous amount of money where I, th- I think some people point to bad idea and say, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a bad thing <laughs> that they're tapping into this. Um, Cause I'm just looking on eBay right now. And uh, the most recent sale was on May 7th. Um, a hero trade number one, CGC 9.8, along with an ENIAC number one, first print CGC 9.8 went for $2,000. Uh, there's also a hero trade number one, CGC 9.8 that sold on May 5th. We don't know how much it says best offer accepted. Um, so I've been saying, you know, over, over a thousand dollars, it, it could be that there's a lot more. I mean, if you go on eBay right now, look, I'm, there's a 9.8 listed for 5,000, one for 3,000, uh, a couple others for 4,999. That's like, just insane. Yeah. Uh, $3,000. I mean, I mean how, how can people point at bad idea and say, this is like, I mean, look, all the power to bad idea, but you know, bad idea isn't, forcing people to go and pay $2,000 for like eight, eight pieces of white paper with uh, b- yeah. black and white drawings on them. I mean, come on. I mean, this, this is just insanity. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it, I, it is, it, it, it completely, it completely is. <laughs> um, yeah. This is just the, wow. the, spe- <laughs> the speculators kind of consuming themselves. Uh, I would almost say, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody's actually getting the prices, the cheapest hero trade, on there right now they're, and they're all uh well almost all no they're all cgc um and they're all 9.8s uh but the cheapest one on there's three thousand dollars wow so yeah i'm saying over a thousand now how about it's three thousand so it's just that's just insane um and i and and to me at that at that price point if you're buying it for three thousand dollars you, you must like really love bad idea and want to support them and that's great but you're not supporting them. They're not getting any of that $3,000 number one. And number two, there's no, where, where's the room for growth? You know, like usually the whole idea of speculating is you buy low and you sell high, right? I can't imagine that's going to get much higher. Like you think if you buy one for 3000, you can turn around and sell it for 5,000. I don't yeah. I don't think so. It's, it's, it's pretty insane. So 
Uh, well, I, yeah, I get it. Uh, you never know in this market. I mean, now, I mean, that's obviously what people expect. Yeah, they expect to buy for two thousand and sell it for three. That's exactly what they expect. And 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 really, let's face it, some of them have been doing it. Somebody bought it originally for five hundred, sold it for a thousand, and it keeps going up. And it's just the market, the comic book market. I mean, I just, I'm even a speculator myself. I have a speculator side, but like I said, it's just, I'm I'm continuously stunned by by the current comic book market it's it's i i i'm i'm at a loss for words i am too i was looking for a book just uh just earlier today actually um and i had a price in my head and i and the price in my head i added 20 percent to that because i'm like ah it's probably crypto and i go and look and it's three times that and i was are you wait are you kidding that's yeah you know especially when it's a book that's come out in the last couple years like these aren't I, i would never speculate on something that that's come out in the last couple of, like if I'm going to buy something, if I'm going to invest in a book, it's going to be, you know, old Spider-Man or, you know, at least bronze age, if not silver age. Yeah. Um, because I think those will hold their value. Whereas this new stuff, especially the variants. I mean, once it's not the hot book anymore uh, and you yeah. know, so much of it, so much of the speculation is driven by whatever Marvel's doing on their latest TV show. And then once the TV show goes away, then it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. And the prices come down a, a little bit. Yeah. Um, not enough, but. Uh, well, you know, if Bad Idea ends up being a pretty good uh, long-term publishing company, and it looks like they're well on their way to becoming that. I mean, the hero trade, number one, hey, it might maintain its value because it, it's clearly going to be the, the probably it'll always be the premium Bad Idea comic to own. Yeah. If a bad idea continues its rise in uh, in mainstream, you know, popularity and continues to be have growing support amongst the comic community. Well, there's the other aspect of this, too. Right. Like, you know, Dinesh Shamdasani, co-publisher, founder, bad idea. You know, he went to film school. He was an executive producer on the Bloodshot movie. He has a film and television production company called All Nighter. He started a, a film and production company called Hive Mind uh, and, and sold it and then started another production company. Um, so maybe somebody, maybe some of these speculators know something that we don't. Maybe they, they were going to get teased with stories uh, and characters that are in this hero trade world. But the end game is that there will be a hero trade TV show. <laughs> and, you know, if that's the case and it blows up, if it's the next Walking Dead, you know, which is the one everybody always points to, I don't know. Hero Hero Trade number one going for ten grand? Could it be? <laughs> yeah. well, so limited. Yeah. So limited. I mean, how many retailers did what my retailers did and threw it in the trash? And they only sent them out to the bad idea stores, of which there was less than two hundred, like one hundred and fifty-four in the first wave that got this book. So there's yeah. only, imagine if there were only 154 copies of Walking Dead number one. How much do you think it would be? Yeah. 10 grand no. easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, so, it's... But anyway, yeah. uh, back to our earlier point. If you want the bad idea books, <laughs> tell your <laughs> retailers to pull them for you. And most retailers, because of some of the rules that bad idea does, another one of their rules is specifically for retailers they're trying to save retailers from themselves. They don't want a bunch of their um, kind of stock and books just out there sitting on shelves. Um, 
basically it's it's money wasted for the retailers, right? Any any mm. any book that doesn't sell through, I mean, yeah, you can put it in back issues, maybe it'll sell someday, but so often what retailers do is they, you know, they order heavy on the number one issues because number one issues sell better. And then, you know, the the orders for number two immediately cuts in half, if not more. Well, one of the rules for bad idea retailers is whatever you order on the first issue, you have to order that many for the whole arc. So it's trying to prevent retailers from ordering heavy on issue one and then dr- basically dropping the the title, basically. So uh, what a lot of retailers do in order to prevent people from speculating and just buying number one is if you buy the number one, you have to buy the whole series. So that my retailer did it. I mean, I already had all the bad idea books on my pull list, but anybody who didn't have it, if you went and bought it off the rack, it had a like a piece of paper in there that said, if you buy this, you're committing to buying issues two, three, and four also, and they'll charge you for all four issues right at, at the same time. And then you come back and pick them up when they come out. So it's a way to make sure that you, um, that you can sell when you're, if you're a retailer, you can sell all the books that you ordered, right? You order 50 copies of number one, you got to order 50 of two, three, and four, and you know, you're going to sell them all if you sell all of your number ones. So um, a lot of people, you know, if you go and order these, you can't just go and order one. You're oftentimes you're going to have to be committed to buying the whole series. But like Rocky and I said, there's tons of uh, retailers online who are selling these books, mail order, so just do a search or you can even hit up uh, Dinesh on Twitter. He'll help you out if you can't find the books anywhere. I've seen him uh, tweeting out, hey, uh, so-and-so is looking for a, a shop that will mail order to them. Anybody looking for, to pick up another mail order customer. So I, I feel like they're definitely fan friendly and uh, they put out incredible books. These books are really, really great. Um, and I can't wait to talk some Walesville and ENIAC with Matt Kent next week. Um, and I'll, my daughter will have some thoughts on, uh, Walesville as well, because she really dug it. That was, it was really fun to be able to share that with her. Um, and the art by Adam Polina was, uh, was fantastic. So, right on. Uh, uh, any other thoughts about these, uh, two issues or bad idea in general, Rocky? No, I, I, I continue to enjoy it. I, I don't, again, my retailer doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't, uh, sell them, but nonetheless, I, I'm enjoying them. I can see why people enjoy them and. Absolutely. If people have an opportunity, you're not, you're not going to be disappointed by, by, uh, by it's a good idea to get bad idea. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode, everybody. Uh, as always, we want to thank you for your support and we'll talk to you next time. You can find the comic source podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Stitcher, Google play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.